Yeah, okay. Because I can see by your face you want to get into it. How can you tell? I'm just one of the out-of-focus guys. Here. Take it. Let's take a good look at it, all right? See, you love this T-shirt. It lets you say everything you want to say. Well, it speaks pretty loudly to it's me. It's a T-shirt. Do you give a shit about a T-shirt? I'm just hungry, man. Let's just go out and find some barbecue or something. Look, I'm always going to tell you the truth. Are you doing coke again? Oh, yeah, all the time. This is big stuff, man. From the very beginning, we said, I'm the front man and you're the guitarist with Mystique. That's the dynamic we agreed on. Paige, Plant, Mick, Keith, Blackmore, Gillen. But somehow it's all turning around. We have got to control what's happening. There's a responsibility here. Excuse me, but didn't we all get into this to avoid responsibility? I can't say any more with the writer here. No, 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 no. You can trust him. Say what you want. He won't write it. Look, I work as hard or harder than anybody on that stage. You know what I do? I connect. I get people off. I look for the one guy who isn't getting off, and I make him get off. Actually, that you can print. And yet, why do I always end up feeling like I'm a joke to you? You are looking live if you are seeing this video on YouTube. Hi, this is us. But if you listen to the podcast, then you're just hearing voices. It's the same crew as always, the same three hosts that we do every week. My name is Michael Govier. His name is Travis Roy. Hello, Travis. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hi, I am well. I'm very excited about the show. Looking forward to talking about Almost Famous. And Eric Brandstrom, Griffith, Indiana. You're live. I just ate a Klondike bar and it's been years, so they definitely hold up. And it's not a paid sponsor, but if the good people at Klondike want to pay me handsomely, I will promote their product ad nauseum. Was it original? Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. They have so many different uh, options now. Mint chocolate chip and Reese's and Oreo. It's very difficult to make it. Yeah, this, this is like what Twix has done and like and like, and like like uh, Pringles has done. It's like, hey, we have 
fish flavored Pringles now. We've got everything. <laughs> Large mouth bass M&M's. Mm, yeah. That sounds <laughs> Musky flavored. Uh, no. Hey, uh, this is the Cinema 9 podcast. And on the show, me, Travis, and Eric Brenstrom talk about <laughs> movies. And this week, we're going to talk about Almost Famous. Does it hold up? It's been 20 years and now here we are revisiting a tale as old as time. And of course, we will have our quarantine viewing picks at the end of the show. We love giving you our selections and our opening segment will commence now. This week, we decided to get wild with it. We're going to do a would you rather and they're all movie choices. So yeah. would you rather be Brad Pitt in Fight Club like getting his ass beat or would you rather be you know, uh, the res dogs guy getting his ear chopped off. You know, this is the example. Who would you rather go through that experience or the other? They're all movie scene scenarios. So they're yeah. open to any selections you guys have. And as always, Travis Roy, we would love to hear your first offering. All right, huh. my first offering. Here we go. First, before we get to that, I want to give a quick shout out to Wilford Brimley. R.I.P. Love him. Oh. Right. Old Wilford. He was a good one. All right. All right. The first one I have here. Would you rather... Wax Steve Carell's body hair or have an evening in the hot tub with a naked Kathy Bates. These are your options. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. These are your um, options. What would you do? I would be doing the waxing, right? I'm not Steve Carell. I'm the waxer. <laughs> yeah. You're the waxer. You're not getting oh. waxed. You have to like hold, you know, you have to you have to look at his half naked body and inflict pain upon him. I just have to sit in the hot tub with Kathy Bates, though. I don't have to you do anything. Gotta, you, can, you can have a, you can have a hot toddy. You can have a beer. You oh. can s smoke a little something. You can do whatever you want. You have a nice time here in the hot tub. Hot tubs are great. Kathy's probably good company. What do you it's think, Eric? A little awkward. Oh, I'd go with Kathy Bates in the hot tub all day. You'd, yeah. you'd be over her you know, grotesque body <laughs> uh, like after five minutes. You can just enjoy a nice evening. All right, I'm gonna to have to go with you. I think you picked the right answer. I, you both yeah. you did. I, I'm gonna say I, I would do the same thing. All right, Kathy, wherever you are, we got a date. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's possible I beat off to that scene once. I mean, it wasn't the best beat off I ever had, but it did happen. So we have our moments. We Celebrity moments. nudity is something about it. It's very sick. I'm very unhealthy. Uh, Eric Bresham, give it to us. Give us your best shot. Don't hold back, Mike. No, I'll give you a softball first. Would you okay. rather? And this might just be me because I'm. A big fan of the paranormal, and uh, I get scared very easily. Would you rather spend the night in room 237 of the Overlook Hotel mm. from The Shining mm -hmm. or spend the night in the Black Hills from the, the Blair Witch Project? So you have to camp out there all night with all that crazy shit going on or be in that fucked up room in the haunted hotel. This is, this is a no-brainer for me. Oh, really? Mike, Mike, do you know what you're going to choose? Um, I'm not... I guess I'm not as clear as on it as you are. I'm I'm confused. Uh, I'm not confused about the scenario, but it's I don't know what what do you, I think I'll go the overlook. I think I'm I'm gonna go with the woods. People make it out of the woods. Jesus, people don't really make it out of the overlook as much. I mean, you know, a couple did, but yeah, uh, that's true. Once you go to the overlook, you get, it's like Hotel California. You don't really check out. You know, the woods <laughs> maybe got a shot. You know, there's there's a lot there's there's no confining. You might get lost in there, but there is like uh, there's no like border periphery. You can just yeah. eventually you're not in the space anymore. You can wander out of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's a hell of a point. You're right. I hadn't thought about it like that. Good call. 
my first choice, I would rather have would you would you guys rather have to spend your time with Don from Sexy Beast? He comes to your house and he constantly <laughs> is berating you to do a job that you don't want to do. Do you, you want to so basically do you want to be Gil in the movie? What's the job? Well, is it like clean the gutters or something? Like come no, on, clean like, the gutters. Clean the gutters. It could be yeah, any job, yeah. It's something you don't want to do though, like cleaning the gutters or like pulling weeds for 12 hours on little islands. Nobody wants to do that. So would you rather have be berated by Don all day, have him beat your house all weekend, or would you rather spend a week with uh, Thomas Hayden Church in Sideways, who is funny, but he's kind of annoying and makes a lot of dumb mistakes, and he gets you in all types of hijinks as well. But he's a lot less likely to haul off and kill me, right? I guess that is true, yes. Or have someone else kill me or make me commit a crime like a gunpoint. I'm going to pick Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Tom, Tom you're going to have a good weekend drinking wine. Yeah, he's a bozo as long as he doesn't, like, sleep with my wife or, like, get me fired he might. from my job. He might. Yeah, you don't know. He might. I think I'm going to take. Uh, Don's yeah. a fucking absolute psychopathic maniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. Okay, <laughs> no fair <burner>. enough. <laughs> what else you got? All right. <laughs> okay, I've got one for you, y'all. Okay. Would you, would you rather – this is this is, a, this is a nice one. Would you rather – Work a summer on the El Jefe food trucks tour across America. All right. You know the El Jefe food truck, right? That from Chef. Do I? Chef from, from oh, Chef. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or, or as a production assistant while filming the Brock Landers and, Ch- and Chest Rockwell movies. Booking nights. <laughs> These are your options. You're either, you're either making tacos with the chef or, or hanging out with Chest Rockwell and like bringing in beers and stuff. Easy choice for me. What about you, Eric? Oh, yeah. Very easy. Very, very easy, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, Chess Rockwell all day. I want to be on that set. I want to be a part of that experience. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would eat that up. And frankly, I think working on a food truck sounds like a a fucking nightmare. It's like close space. It's super hot. Yeah, me too. It's like nonstop line. Like the work. Yeah, yeah. But but like, okay, I agree. You're right. It'd be hot, but it'd be rewarding. You get the end of the night. You get to you get to sit down on the on the with with your with your with your comrades and 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 eat the food you made together and drink a cerveza versus emptiness and cocaine with those assholes. I think you guys picked wrong. I'm picking. I don't know. I think think there's meaningful relationships there. You just got to try a little harder. (laughs) All right. I'd rather hang out with little Cinderella and Amber Ways and all them other (laughs) ladies. What do you got, Eric? So, so okay, here we go. So now it's going to get a little bit uh, more challenging for you guys. Uh, mm. Would you rather um, have Jeff Goldblum as uh, Brundlefly from The Fly oh. uh, regurgitate like acidic shit all over your body until like like some of your limbs just get like eroded with with his disgusting like fly acid? I pick the other thing. Or get savagely attacked by that bear in the revenant revenant bear <laughs> revenant bear all the way you might keep your limbs oh that's tough man i don't know i, I, I don't mean, see a benefit to either one of these there's absolutely no benefit but you, you literally said you said your limbs would disintegrate in one scenario versus who yeah, knows yeah the, but the bear is absolutely going to tear something off of your body <laughs> What one man can do, another can do. What one man can do, another can do. I'll take the bear. Oh, man, I don't know. 
Yeah, I guess I'll go with the bear. I really the fly is fucking gross, man. It's so bogus. <laughs> I keep my limbs, and if I'm gonna lose them, I don't want to lose them to acid. That just sounds bogus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. right. Going with the bear, gonna kill the motherfucker. <laughs> All right, fair All right Mike. Uh, okay, so would you rather have to work every day with Barry from High Fidelity? <laughs> like you got to work five days a week minimum. You got to work with him eight hour shifts. You so have to be energy. near him. You can't hide from him. You can't be the boss. You're like you're like Dick. You're his coworker. Oh, you're, you're Dick. Not, you're not the owner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so would you rather be Dick who has to work with Barry all week, or uh, would you rather be <laughs> going on vacation with Roman Craig? That twisted, <laughs> that crooked son of a bitch. That crooked son of a bitch. Would you rather spend a week with Roman, or would you rather work every week with Barry? I know what uh, I would do. Jesus. Well, I mean, one of them is a vacation. So. I mean, I I would rather hang out with Barry than Todd Deweso, the Dick character. Like he's like so much more annoying to me. Like I I think me and Jack like Barry would like get along and have some fun. So. I'd have to pick uh, Barry because I, I actually think um, Roman is kind of fun too, but like he tries to fuck you out of your money and like, you know, <laughs> makes your life a living hell. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with Barry. I got to go with Roman. You know, he's he's showboating. He's uh he's arrogant, but he's got he's got a heart in there. He's got a heart in there, oh. and, he, and he, he's he's well intended at the end of the day. And we might clash, but we're gonna have good times and bond and perhaps make a bear go bald together like this we're gonna have a good time it's all right bear ass bear <laughs> but i mean are you are you like uh on vacation with roman at, at yeah the, yeah that one okay. week of vacation that location? Yeah. okay yeah well yeah, yeah. all right okay. how about one more travis okay this is a rough one guys this is, <laughs> okay. this is the rough one this is all right would you rather help bill the butcher festoon his bed chambers with the guts of his enemies <laughs> no, so you no. gotta like handle human guts yeah. or get bitten, paralyzed, and webbed up <laughs> by Shalab from Lord oh, of the Rings Jesus. Return of the King. Oh man. These are your options. Mm. One, you're passively sitting there, you get stung, it hurts, but you yeah. survive. You just get oh, go yeah. through this gross process. And the other one, you gotta like literally handle <laughs> people's <laughs> innards and like and also Bill's, you know, you know, Bill's a demanding taskmaster. He's got master. He's going to tell you you're doing it wrong. He's going to make you take it down and put it back up again. He's going to have yeah. a very specific way. He wants those guts hanging around his bedroom. Very exhausting. He's also mm. kind of a solid mentor. So you'd probably learn a lot about the art of butchery. Maybe. And, and, and must, mustache waxing. You can learn he about that. Scruples. He really does. Uh, he's a racist. Yeah. He's scrupulous about his racism. No doubt about it. Uh, I'm going to go with Bill. I, I just think, uh, It'll be annoying, but it won't be as painful. I just would rather <laughs> deal with Bill. And there's something about Bill, even though you hate him, you kind of want to hang out with him. It's just very strange. He attracts people. He's got magnetism, and it's uh, awful. He's, he's charismatic. It's part of his, yeah. part of his charm. Yeah. Eric? Uh, I absolutely go with Bill. Uh, if I even saw wow. Shellab, the giant spider, I would have a heart attack and die before he could even stun me. <laughs> I would just totally out of my mind. So, yeah, I guess I'm handling guts. Part of part of me thinks it would be worse to handle the guts than to actually get stung. But when I think of the those insides are as actually entering my flesh, I I, too, oh. I pick Bill the Butcher. Oh dear! <laughs> wow! Wow! Those are some. All right, Eric. What do you got? Last one. Okay, this is uh, it's going to be a rough one. Okay. Um. Okay. Would you rather get caught by your father 
polling like the American pie, where you're putting your penis in the pie, <laughs> okay. which would clearly it, the shame it would scar you for life. Okay, so the residue that, of this will last your entire father-son relationship for the rest of your life. Mm. It won't be forgotten by either party. Or, <laughs> okay, remember nothing but trouble. <laughs> Bobo yeah. and Little Devil. So bad. Bobo and Little Bobo. Where the fuck he was? Little Devil. The, the uh, horrifically deformed grandchildren of the judge, portrayed by oh, Dan Aykroyd again. So terrible. Uh, you, have to, <laughs> you, you have to make out with them for uh, 25 minutes straight. Both of them? Yeah. <laughs> Also 25 started. minutes? Wait, 25 what's the first minutes, minute? 25 minutes making out with Bobo and Lil Bebel or Lil Devil. putting your penis into a, a pie like oh, uh, man. by your father. Well, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to mess up the relationships with my family. Think about so... Bobo's disgusting body. Uh, wow, man, is... I kind of hate you for posing this question. This is hell on earth, man. You know, my dad's a forgiving guy. I'm, I'm going to take the pie. I'm going to take the pie. He's an understanding guy. I think that he would, you know, he would he would be ashamed of me and like ask some some understandable questions and you know, he there'd be shame, but uh not 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 the same kind of shame that I would have inside by myself having spent those 25 minutes in hell with Bobo and Little Devil. So yeah. All right, American pie it is, but damn wow. you for making me choose. Mike, Mike. Yeah, I get. I gotta go, with Travis, on that one. I mean, those things are just so <laughs> fucking gross, man. And I love pies, so I'm down for any scene in that. Yeah, movie. maybe if they were clean, but they're so dirty. No, it's not just that they're, like, yeah, they're like, yeah. But if right. nobody, nobody will ever know about it. Ugh. Yeah, but I would know. I would. Yes, know. you see you exactly. Know. How could you live with yourself? You might enjoy I, it. That inner <laughs> shame is the that inner lonely shame is the worst shame. I'd rather spread the shame around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. This last one, uh, boy, this is this could be dark. I don't know. I don't know how this is oh gonna boy. go. But here we go. We're live. It's uh, all happening. Okay. So, would you rather be Michael Rooker's character in Mallrats who gets stink palmed? You know, <laughs> Jason Lee puts his hand in his ass, smears a chocolate pretzel on it, and then gives Ugh. it to him. He eats okay. it. So you Michael. get stink palmed. <laughs> Oh man, or, I don't know. Or it gets worse than that, way worse. Um, would you rather be... get Bobo and Little Devil worse? I don't. I, I guess this is just no. You can't. I think I already know the answer to this one. Uh, or would you rather be one of the uh, kids from Sleepers? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> right? Dude. This is terrible. Oh what a man! Terrible decision. Why would you? What? Oh, I'm obviously a getting stink stink so gross though, too. <laughs> He doesn't even know he gets stink palmed. He never even finds out. That's the worst comeuppance ah, ever. He just thinks he gets a free pretzel and has himself the rest of his day. But he does get ill, quite ill. Yeah, but that doesn't even like, make sense. That's you, not the way butt flat works. That's what happened, you, though. That's bullshit. <laughs> I call that bullshit. You do get the, uh, do get the, the retribution of killing Sergeant Noakes. Uh, yeah, I could have picked kid. a specific character. I just kept it general to all the kids. <laughs> you know, you could be. Um, you could be Billy Crudup's character. Yeah, you could be part of the retribution. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to experience that either. But there is a lot of payback that goes down. You know. Yeah. (laughs) Even uh, what's his uh uh Rizzo? They get payback for Rizzo too, and that's very uh very satisfying when that happens. So, not that it makes it count of money crypto. I read words like (laughs) revenge. 
Yeah, they really, <laughs> man, they really did a Christopher Nolan in that movie with the Count of Monte Cristo. They shoved it down your throat like ten times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a tough one. Like I said, that was not <sighs> easy. Uh, but I guess maybe it was easier than I thought. Anyways, there it is, folks. Would you rather movie style <laughs> edition in the books? If you guys have a couple of scenarios you would like us to, uh, you know, break down, send us some. We would love to do uh, a couple of listener choices next week. It was a fun category and a fun little section. Good call, uh, Eric, on creating this one. He's a creative guy. He certainly is. He's a real character. All right. He's a so real it's time for Does It Hold Up? The main centerpiece of our show, 2000's Almost Famous. I'm with myself. No, who are you with? What band? Oh, uh, I'm here to interview Black Sabbath. I'm a journalist. I'm not, not a, you know. You're not a what? You're not a what? Not a... Groupie. Oh. We are not groupies. This is Penny Lane, man. Show some respect. Groupies sleep with rock stars because they want to be near someone famous. We're here because of the music. We are Band-Aids. She used to run a school for Band-Aids. We don't have intercourse with these guys. We support the music. We inspire the music. We're here because of the music. Mark Boland broke her heart, man. It's famous. It's a long story. I'm retired now, visiting friends. You know, she was the one who changed everything. She was the one who said, no more sex. No more exploiting our bodies and our hearts. Right, right. Just blowjobs, and that's it. <laughs> it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. It's 20 years gone. It's 2020, Travis. Mm -hmm. This is the first time you saw this film. Uh, has it been a while? What's your opening thoughts on this film? You know, I'm really struggling to remember uh, my first experience with this film. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember. I just don't. I know that it's been um, a long time since I've watched it. Like a lot of the movies we've discussed, it's one that, like, for a few years of my life, I very much internalized it and felt like it was an important movie and watched it a lot and then kind of set it down and didn't come back to it again. I guess I probably haven't watched it since I lived in Florida. So that was like 2002, 2003. Wow. It's been a long time. I know the last time I watched it, the Zooey Deschanel was not really famous because it, <laughs> it was interesting. It was interesting. Like, why? I'm like, oh, yeah, she's freaking there. She is. Uh, and it wasn't really like a big deal then, you know. So, um, so yeah. it's been a long time. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I can't recall seeing it in theaters at all. I definitely did not see it in the theaters the first time I saw it. What about you, Eric? Do you remember the first time? Has it been a while? Uh, opening opinion. The only thing I remember about this film when it came out in 2000, when I rented it, was how did Kate Hudson get, get this role? Uh, other than that, I haven't what? seen it since. I haven't really thought about it since, but I am excited to talk about it. I'm glad uh, we, we gave it a repeat. All right, Mike. This is this is one that you particularly liked. This is your choice. You chose this movie. Why don't you tell us your thoughts on it? Well, uh, odds are you rented it in two thousand one because back then oh. it still took a little bit longer for DVDs to come back out because yeah. it came yeah. out in September of two thousand. And on IMDb, did you guys look up the score? Would you like to take a guess? I'm going to say uh, no. I'm going to say seven. We're on seven. A rock solid seven, Eric. <sighs> seven three. 
Not bad. That's better. The X are seven nine. A wow, very high good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On the brink of eight. So that's yeah. uh that's almost classic status okay. or very well thought of. Anyways, hmm. uh the critics and the audience score very tight. 89% for the critics, 92 for the audience. So that's overwhelmingly positive responses from people who are paid money to look at film and those who pay money to watch film. So I think <laughs> it's all about that, fucking money. What's that? Oh. It's all about fucking money. <laughs> oh, of course it is. I mean, this is America, right? Isn't that? You sound, you sound like Lester Bangs. They took movies away from oh, us. Oh, yeah. Turned to be the commercials, <laughs> man. Absolutely. I like that. But as always, we like to give you a little bit of tidbits from the critics when the movie comes out. So the dearly departed Roger Ebert said, oh, oh, comma, what a lovely film. Oh, what a lovely film, period. Very strange opening sentence for criticism. I guess he liked it. I would. I, he did. I was almost hugging myself while I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> There's an image. That sounds like a would you rather. <laughs> I guess he really, he really did like it, Travis. You're right. Um, oh, wow. That's a real connection with this movie. Yeah, that was like the most um, heartwarming <laughs> oh, criticism I've ever oh, read. I've read a lot uh, of his. Yeah, I've read a lot of his shit. I've never heard him talk about hugging himself because he loved the movie so much. <laughs> Yeah, I was absolutely. surprised about his review. Yeah, he he yeah, really loved weird. it. Said it was one of the best of the 2000s. Wow. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader says the moral education that follows is fairly predictable, but Crow follows its contours with a sharp eye for detail and genuine sympathy for the pathos of some of the delusions involved. Ooh, very uh, kind of snooty, in my opinion. Uh, try to find a negative one. There's a lot of a lot of positive ones. How about this one? Uh, Victoria Alexander says, God has truly blessed Cameron Crow. I know this because Crow is one of the few people in the world who can nostalgically look back in their teenage years and not see personal misery and suffering. Get, yeah, that's a one-star <laughs> review, though. One-star review. Because uh, she had a shitty teenage life. Right. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Sorry you hated your life, Victoria. You fucked yeah. up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's hard to find the... I'll give you one more negative one. This one's from Slant Magazine. Ed Gonzalez says, A nostalgia factory of popular music that is less a movie than it is a vehicle for baby boomer reminiscence. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Ouch. That was kind of harsh. Yeah, that's, that's kind of harsh. Uh, yeah, so I saw this on DVD the first time I saw it, and I was living in Okemos uh, with Harview and Liberty at the apartment of Knob Hill, and I remember <laughs> back then we... We would always watch movies at night and everybody would pass out. And I was like 20 years old back then. And uh, the menu from the DVD of whatever it was would always be playing because my room was right next to the living room. <laughs> I used to get haunted by like the DVD menu music, like playing 45 second increments over and over and over and over and over. And I didn't want to get up and get out of bed to turn it off. So I've heard uh, the that story. was That's funny. Misery. The worst one being. <laughs> First one being uh, chasing Amy, which is it? <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah, that one was a word. Okay, what? Mike, would you would you rather listen to the menu music of Almost Famous for twenty four straight hours, or have to watch a naked Roger Ebert hug himself, going, "Oh, oh, oh." <laughs> That's a good I, one. Man. I picked. The, I picked the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah i saw this on dvd we rented it i i didn't really think much these are the days when you went to blockbuster and rented movies so i came home and watched it and i was blown away i was like whoa this is like what is this it was really huh. really uh, entertaining fun uh it's got 
mean, it's got a great musical soundtrack, of course, but that's not the key part of it. There just seems to be a lot of camaraderie about the film that makes it like enjoyable to watch. And you want to, for me, I want to be a part of the experience. Like, oh man, I want to, you know, it, it reminds me of the, it's one of the best efforts in my opinion of putting that innocence or that early period of adolescence where you get to discover life and new opportunities and experiences mm-hmm. for the first time. It's one of the best representations of that on a film that I've ever seen. I think I yeah. agree. I, I, I see this movie as like a, it's a love letter not so much to musicians, but as the fan, it's a love letter to fans, right? It's a it's a love letter to those who who love music. It's a love letter to that time in your life where music, like new genres, like feel like they're being even if they're being like created in front of you and like they're exciting and like you could maybe feel like rock and roll really can save the world, man. Like there's like this period, you know, this really special like thirteen or fifteen years old where it's all just so exciting and powerful and important. So I think I think it's really a love letter to that period of your life. Interesting. I think Cameron Crowe is is firing on all signers in the respect that he, right off the bat, he's behind the wheel, he's in his element, he's giving you that like classic Cameron Crowe like romantic spirit. It's happy, it's it's motivating, and it's just rolling around with so much energy uh, in that first chunk. In fact, that first chunk is my my favorite part, and we don't see a lot of filmmakers nowadays. I just sit there and be like, well, Christ, now that Cameron Crowe is is having kind of a tricky time. Like who else is kind of doing that, that really fun sort of stuff that he used to do. The closest I came was maybe David O. Russell, but he's still got so much cynicism in, in him, yeah. unlike Cameron Crowe. But I, I do miss him for, for that type of work. It's funny, I sure too, like Rhodey's got a lot of liners. You like Sorry, what? But yeah, Rhodey's that, that show that he did. I I, oh. I watched the first season of Rhodey's. It, it, if you liked Almost Famous, you'd probably like Rhodey's. It, it's it's okay. It was good. Yeah, I wish that I wish it hadn't gotten canceled. Yeah, it, I could see what you're saying there. It it wasn't as snappy and put together as Almost Famous. It was no, building no. towards something possibly. Um, yeah, it I, wasn't nearly as good as Almost Famous, but it's in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. Oh, right. It's you know it's about music. It's about people behind the scenes and. Uh, this movie is funny though. Like, there's a lot of great lines. You know, Lester. You mentioned Lester Banks, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I, I alluded to this last week, and you immediately shut me down, and that's fine. And <laughs> I may have overstepped my bounds when I said it was his finest performance. And what I meant to say was that, wow. it's, to me, it's his most enjoyable. It's for me most enjoyable Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. Not his finest as an actor, but to me, he's given such great dialogue in this film, which is also something that Cameron Crowe has lost his way with. I don't know. Yeah. He wrote this dialogue, I assume, unless, and as far as I know, I didn't hear anything about Philip Seymour Hoffman adjusting the lines or, or uh, ad-libbing too much. No. So. no, he he didn't have a lot of time to do the to do his scenes, uh, and he was sick for a lot of them, too. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he stuck to the script, as far as I know. Well, Lester Bangs, if you anybody who reads about him was a real character anyways. You know, Cream Magazine was a real magazine. It was supposed to be a rival to Rolling Stone, but it didn't quite go that route. By the 1981, I think uh, the magazine was sold and it fell apart. But uh, that was a real thing, and Lester Bangs was a real guy. So maybe some of that dialogue is just really, it's so natural, and it comes from Cameron Crowe's experience because he knew Lester Bangs, and this kid, yeah. William, is supposed to be Cameron Crowe, who wrote for Rolling Stone, in case you don't know the backstory and all this stuff. But you're right. It's not his finest performance ever. But I really find it to be like my most. Hey, you know, enjoyable. If right. If it's your personal favorite, that's that's to each their own. You know, 
Um, I, I know that I think it's really, I mean, he's my favorite actor, so I have a really hard time picking one anyways. I will say that his favorite performance supposedly was a late quartet or whatever that's worth. Mm. What? That's what he said. Yeah. That's what he said. I, I, a fuck. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman's really enjoyable to watch. Some of my favorite parts of the movie are, are his scenes, but you know, I have a hard time really trying to figure out what to get out of like his relationship with William and what his advice was other than stay away from the rock star. This They just want you to like blow them and write that they're cool and stuff. I, I, I don't know how much he has to say about music and art other than the writers are more <laughs> artistic than these these rock stars. At the really? Moment. What did I miss? Like, uh, and, you missed all a big honest- thing. You missed a big thing and it was pretty spelled out okay. clearly. Especially, especially that last phone conversation, that last scene that he's in. He's like, if you want to be a friend of them, tell them, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Oh, man. You made friends with them. See, friendship is the booze they feed you. Is they want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong. Well, it was fun. Because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You are not cool. I know. Even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Right, because we are uncool. No, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. And they get the girls. But we're smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Yeah, because great art is about you know, guilt and longing and Love disguises sex, and sex disguises love. Hey, let's face it. Yeah, you got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to him, be honest and unmerciful. And uh, and he tells him that throughout and throughout the whole movie for all the shit that William is a 15 year old is getting himself into with these antics and stuff. At the end of the day, he's still a professional. When he finally gets Russell in front of him, he's like, all I want is an interview, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I, I think, I, and, he, and he also tells the truth. So I think that I do think I do have some problems with Lester Bang's character. I, I don't like the whole like, ooh, we're ugly guys. They're only we're capable of producing great art yeah. speed. I'm like, that's <laughs> friggin' dumb. But it's real. I mean, there are definitely people that feel that way. Uh, I do think that also Lester Bang's, I don't know about in real life, but in the movie, he seems to be doing like some gatekeeping that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. But I do like the performance. I mean, it's 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 I liked, especially around 2000, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, to me, he was cool as fuck. So like movies like, like so like this performance, his performance in Talented Mr. Ripley, that to me is like where I feel like those are really like, those are really Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of roles. So I, I do like this role for that because he's he's sexy, he's cool, he's funny, he's, he's confident, he's carefree. And he's so often like, you know, stuck with, oh, I'm an idiot, I'm a fucking idiot, you know, so. <laughs> 
Did you guys ever like read Rolling Stone and like, like how much like does rock journalism place an importance on like what you listen to or have ever bought? Like, is it important nowadays? Was it ever a big fuck deal? No, it, nowadays, fuck no. But nowadays, in the no. 90s, Rolling Stone to me was still a thing. Like we got it in the mail and I would yeah. read. I would definitely look at the charts and I do the and the album reviews. I would read all of that stuff and I would. Also, really? make, I probably made yeah. decisions based off some of that. Same. Spin, Maximum Rock and Roll, Punk Planet. I read those things, and I would, I would, I would get, I would order stuff based on their suggestions all the time. And that was in the nineties. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe cool. I, maybe we're old, and that was the last heyday. But it seems like yeah. I don't think Rolling Stone is what it was in the seventies or the eighties or the nineties, or even maybe the aughts. You know, it's definitely become like one of those. Pitchfork? Pitchfork wields yeah. wields some influence though, so it's not as if necessarily yes, that yes. the critics have gone away the complete the gone away completely, right? No, no, no. Pitchfork's great. Yeah, Pitchfork right. has a lot of validity, and they do their own festival and shit, and people love that. Um, so yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman's great in this, and then so, so mm -hmm. Patrick Fugit. I want to talk about Patrick Fugit. This is a guy <laughs> he just all of, he all of a sudden showed up again in Gone Girl, and I was like, oh look, he's all yeah. grown up now. Yeah. He's a he's a police yeah. officer. I hadn't seen him in a while. Um. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he leaned a lot on Philip Seymour Hoffman, too, because he didn't have any experience. And obviously, Philip Seymour Hoffman was becoming a reputable actor by then. And uh, I just think that his performance is like really good because it doesn't require him to be unique or special or try to overact or anything. And I want to give him credit for keeping his performance basic in a good way. Hmm. I agree. I, I think I think that like I can see why he didn't do a ton of stuff afterwards. Um because like you want a, if you, especially from a young first time actor, you want like a sense of versatility, and he's sort of one note in this movie, but he hits it really well, right? Like he's just earnest. He's just like a yeah. lovelorn, earnest, music loving guy, and like and like his facial expressions. Maybe there isn't a ton going on there, um, but like again, like for a first time actor who's carrying a movie like this, I think he does a fantastic job, and I'd have a hard time imagining anybody else stepping into it better. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of like Tobey Maguire, but like I like that I don't want to just like punch in the face, like a likable like Tobey <laughs> Maguire. Like he's got the aloofness, and you know, he definitely pulls off like the coming of age thing to a T. Uh, I wish I could have gotten a little bit more from the William character because we never really have him say about anything about really why he likes music. He just gets handed the albums and he gets his eyes get big and it's like, Oh, well, I guess he loves music. You don't really get to read much of his writing. Like they don't really show you. I think like a narration could have been a, a, maybe a positive that they did something like this here. Huh. And, and like, I don't know how much he learns about things other than, you know, that you have to get out there in the world and like experience stuff because I don't know if he learns that much more about like I, I guarantee you I'm alone on a lot of these facts. These are just my thoughts. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're, you're How dare you? Your, you're entitled to your thoughts, Eric. I'm, I'm entitled sorry. to my thoughts, but the, we'll get into it. But the relationships don't work for like me. You know, his the, the the journalism stuff doesn't work for me. It's just there's a lot about him that like leaves me hanging, even though I like him initially. Okay. okay, so I, I got I have some answers to that. Okay. Um, first of all, with with the with his, with his actual journalism, I, I agree we don't get a good sense of that necessarily. But we're talking about a movie. How much reading do we want to do during it? Well, I'll tell you this: the the last 
the last the the, the first line up towards the end where he's like, We're, I'm in a I'm in a plane with with Stillwater over Topeka, whatever the fuck, and we're all gonna die. Like that's a good. That, if that was the first line of an article, I'd be in it to win it. I'd read the whole article. And you also get a sense that Lester Bangs is impressed by him before he meets him because he's sending him the stuff. Like he doesn't just hang out with his many fans, right? He, he actually he he like he like William has struck a chord in him somehow because he's been sending him his writing. So he sees something in him. So while we don't necessarily get a sense of that writing and how good it is, that's not that uncommon for like a movie about a writer. Right. We don't often get to, to read what they say. Um, and then as far as the older sibling stuff goes now, now, Mike, you're the you're the you're the or the, the music stuff goes. You're the oldest sibling in your family. But but Eric, you're like me. You're the youngest. So I, I don't know. I mean, I know Jeff is a pretty uh, I'm sure Jeff introduced you in particular to like a, 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 a slew of music. For me, um, my older siblings like were extremely instrumental and influential. I, you know, so, so were a handful of other things, but like I would not have been listening to the fucking cure at seven had I not had an older sister and an older brother, right? Like, and so that impact, um, like I really like that about the movie that they place such importance on that. And the whole thing about like the oppression of the mother, Zooey Deschanel, like getting out early, which is a really emotional and well done scene. I thought, oh, hey man, take good care of her, man. I thought that whole bit was fantastic. <laughs> um, so like it makes the important, like it really puts like this emphasis on both the permissiveness that uh, that Francis McDormand character is going to grant him, because like now you get some perspective on that, and it also gives you a sense of like um, the importance that music has on him. It's these are the records that his older sister left for him. So like it's not just that music is important to him; it's that his older sibling. This was the gift to him, like the the forbidden fruit that the, that the mom wouldn't let them have, and and she's like, you can check this out; it's going to change your fucking life. And sure enough, it does. So I thought they actually did a really good job. Hey man, take good care of her in San Francisco. Man. One day, you'll be cool. Look under your bed, it'll set you free. Specifically, like when he does get a chance to sit down and ask like one of the band musicians a question, it's like the most obvious like kindergartner <laughs> asking a musician question like, he's hey, what's 15. this song about? And then, it's, yeah, but he's also supposed to be this guy that's like blowing up Rolling Stones offices. Like, who the fuck is this guy? And, and at the yeah. end, he's like, what, I'm what in a plane with about to die. I mean, like he's he's got like he's I mean, he's like he's Ben he Fong Torres. Ben Fong Torres. Rain Wilson. That's also, right. Rain Wilson. Uh, just hmm, you know, chewing out a pen in the background. Um, <laughs> I, Zoe Deschanel. This is the first time I ever saw her, and I remember seeing her because I saw her eyes. I'm like, wow, who is this woman? She's got such beautiful eyes, and and I was struck by this film because she's in it. To be honest with you, too, because I had never seen her before, and even though she plays a small role, she really stood out to me. I thought that's what I love about this movie is the the honest and genuine camaraderie of the certain relationships, like the mother and the daughter arguing seems very real to me and mm -hmm. the fact that this mother's trying to raise her kids and like how who, what kid hasn't gotten in the face of their mom or got upset like why do we live this way so and so yeah. doesn't live this way down the street that's like such a typical growing up thing so i really related to that a lot you know the why do we celebrate christmas in july when it wouldn't be commercialized <laughs> you know it's just funny i love that relationship and i it seems to ring real true to me 
Well, and, and Frances McDormand sells it so easily. It's always oh, such a yeah. delight to, to to see her do just about anything. That's that's someone I could watch her <laughs> do anything, and and I buy it all. I buy everything she does. Now, Cameron Crowe, I think, does some really good stuff in this movie that he realized it worked really well. And I think it may have been Francis McDormand doing it more than anything else that he t- tried to replicate later, especially with Aloha. And that's with these, like oh, these wordless exchanges. Like think of when William finally gets home and uh, Francis McDormand comes out and Zooey does you know, like nothing. Like they don't, they look at this. Like, it's like a five minute scene and no one says anything yeah. to the end of the scene. And she's like, uh, and I didn't say, you know, I didn't say, uh, I didn't apologize, whatever. So like, <laughs> And I think a lot of that is like, or like when Frances McDormand, it, it cuts to her clapping at his graduation and you see her like looking, like she's like kind of like looking at everybody around like, come on, fucking clap for my son. Like she has this like look on her face because she's so good at like emoting and stuff. So I think that he let the camera roll on her and there's like a lot of, there's like a few scenes with her where it's just like, like no one's saying anything. And he's like, yeah, this is great. And it really works well in this movie. Then he's like, yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make everyone do this in every movie. And it's like, eh, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Oh yeah. That is definitely the case. He- she also, it was a difficult role for her, apparently, because she was the rocker chick, according to her, and playing a mom was a new experience for her. So I guess that uh, reading about the movie, that was a new experience, a new way for her to look at a role, and she ends up doing it flawlessly because yeah, she just don't do drugs. so damn good. Like, yeah, don't take drugs. They became really popular, of course, the the whistle. And, and when she's doing that, like you said, not, when she's emoting but not saying much, there's many phone calls. Once William's on the road, we're just getting her on the phone a lot. So yeah. she doesn't have anybody to directly converse with in front of Good her. Point. And she, I love that line. She says, like, was I not any fun? It's like an honest moment where a mother would never. I mean, it's, it seemed believable, but I just like that. It seems so true like because she's starting to question her own style as a parent, which is not mm-hmm. something a lot of parents do. So. Yeah, she tries her best. I don't know what the hell kind of professor she is. Like the shit yeah, she's what? talking about. <laughs> like she's like talking about metaphysical. Like, what are you? What? What? Yeah, but she uh, but, she's, but she tries. She tries. But she's fantastic. And the fact this cast is just so friggin' loaded, man. I mean, Ugh. with all of the uh, the band aids alone, too. You know, you got BG Phillips, and you Cruise got bulk. Yeah, Feruza Balk. I mean, it's just loaded. I I love Aquin. Anna Paquin, right? Every one of them are like they're known actors or actresses that you'd be like, wow, I like them and their work. And they bring a lot of excitement. But the one, the one role that blew me away that I didn't expect and really changed my view of him was Jason Lee. When I first saw this film, I was really surprised. I was like, I know he's still kind of like smart assy like he was in the Kevin Smith film. So that part doesn't change. But he brought a new dimension at the time. This was before My Name is Earl and all that yeah. stuff, too. He brought a new dimension that I was really kind of impressed by. And this also was right before Vanilla Sky came out, too. Right. Both of these, oddly enough, I, him and Cameron Crowe obviously hit it off. But yeah. the way he uh, expresses the, his things, like when he's talking about the chicks are great and he's saying these stupid ass like rock cliches, which are totally legitimate because he would say that. But then he gets in these arguments like, why do I always feel like I'm a joke to you? Like when you get in these discussions about the T-shirt and the fight about that and the band, I, I just thought he really impressed me as an actor. And it raised my uh respect for him as a legitimate actor i'm incendiary too man (laughs) but it was funny to me because i'm like hey here's another cameron crow movie that i totally forgot jason lee was in (laughs) until he showed up like oh there he is yeah he's clearly not singing at all but it's is is stillwater a good band do you guys like the music oh that's a great question so yeah i was i was trying to think of like 
because you've got Nancy Wilson and Cameron. Oh, he doesn't Crow want to answer that question. He's going to talk about <laughs> that. All right, go ahead. No, I, did you guys like it? I, I'll just say I liked it. Um, <laughs> they, they suck. I mean, fever dogs they, are they horrible. Do. Fever dog sucks. I mean, yes. yeah. <laughs> they remind me of like Skid Row. Please welcome from Troy, Michigan. sound like early 70s like bayou rock or anything i, I that was kind I of think they were going for a zeppelin feel um but i don't know if they hit it nancy like you said nancy wilson his wife at the time who was in heart a real guitar player a legitimate creator of music uh there was one song i kind of like the one i don't know if it has a name he's like uh jason lee's playing the piano in the beginning yeah, and then like breaks into something song. That was kind of cool. I don't, yeah. but otherwise, yeah, Fever Dog's trash. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to make jokes about it all the time at the Okamas apartment. Fever Dog! That high pitch. That was funny yeah, to do. Yeah. One, one thing I that kind of bugged me a little bit was, I, I, the Russell character I like, but I don't know how well of a job they did. Maybe I missed it, but like when. Because I didn't really understand what Russ, like uh, what Jeff's Jason Lee's beef was about the the shirt until like they had to like go out and say, "Oh, you're you're like what everyone cares about." Did that was there like a scene that I went to the bathroom during where he's just like shredding <laughs> on the guitar and everyone's chanting Russell because like actually I, that, I, does, that exact that thing does happen. Does that, it? That, that exact thing that you described does happen. I, yeah, I figured we need something like that because I was like, why, why is he so <laughs> I think, mad? I, it comes up. It, it, they could have maybe been a little more obvious about it before that scene, but it does come up mm. before that scene. I think also okay. like, I can see why you forgot about me. I'm just the fucking singer. I think that's funny, but I think it also is kind of supposed to mean something that like yeah, he really exactly. he is. He is being like outshone by Russell. And and uh, what's her face? Uh What's her name out of being? Penny Lane? Lane? Who are we talking about? Yeah, Penny Lane. Her real name's Lady, we find out the end. Lady, uh, Lady Goodman. Lady Goodman. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Uh, in the first time that William sees him on stage, I think it's around that period that she starts talking about like he's a special project of hers. This is one of the last right. ones she's doing, which makes Russell seem unique in that way. So you're right. It's not obvious, but there's these little hints from other characters. Yeah, I think there. he says something like, I'm I'm like so far ahead of them, like musically, that I'm just kind yes. of like here for the ride. And I remember being yeah. like, 
the fuck, guy? Uh, Rockstar's yeah. arrogance. Yeah. Sounds like a clear. I mean, I don't know Rockstar's personally, but I could imagine a Rockstar being a clear dickhead like that. Well, How this do you is think this is one of the things. Have, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, this is one of the things I really liked about Russell uh, as a character. I thought that. And, and and as a band, they really are like a, a like these this working these working class middle class like regular people who are suddenly like thrust into the limelight and like struggling with like this newfound success. So <laughs> Russell, like on one hand, is like he wants to be a good guy and sees himself as a good guy, but he's but he's a but he's a flawed flawed dude and yeah. is mean to William he's for like no reason. And, rape too. So. R- right. And is, well, <laughs> William has his moment too. the whole uh, kissing uh, Penny Lane was, she's completely like, well, you're not going to remember this anyway. So I might as well make out with you while you're unconscious. Oh, he loves Ooh. and appreciates women so much. Yeah. Fuck you, William. Yeah, you're still a gross bag. Wow. I hadn't thought of that. doesn't age well. Yeah. No, nah, it's the most okay. unromantic love scene ever when you're making out with a woman about to die of Quaaludes. OD. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I feel differently about oh. my Sharia Moore right now. Thanks. I really liked that <laughs> yeah. song. It's funny. I see it. I never saw it that way. I always saw it as like when she's being saved in the bathtub and that song's playing. And it is weird that he's like looking at her body parts, it's like grotesque. her legs, the camera's up close yeah. to her legs and stuff. And I saw it romantically, but now that you guys are saying that, shit. Kind of ruining it for it's the rough, it, like the that, uh, I, I believe when the band-aids like deflower William, that that's also a crime. So I think we could chalk that up to two so far. <laughs> well, we don't know how old they are. I mean, Penny and him are almost the same age, so well we is she no that's, idea. Uh, yeah, is she 16? I certainly hope not. At um, most. I, I hope not. So yeah, that's so, not believable there, at all. There, yeah, no, it's not. But I, I agree, Eric. I, th- I find that now the the <laughs> it, the camera work of like the reflection on Patrick Fugit's eyes, I thought was fantastic. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. But yeah. um, as far as what's actually going on in the scene, you're right. I, that's like it doesn't age well. You're like this is kind of. Uh. Yeah, it's really funny when Lester Bangs tells him to say things to Bang Fong Torres. That's what I think is so hilarious. Like, uh, just tell him it's a think piece. And then he starts <laughs> laughing. He's like, it's about a mid level band struggling with the harsh face of stardom. That makes me laugh every time because Lester it's Bangs it, sees how these, it, he, he, he's making fun of these people who think they know everything at Rolling Stone, but really they're just suckers for these little kind of like uh, connected wormholes that go into what people want or what they think people want. So, But he's right at the same time. Oh, no, they, you're right. That's why right. when you said that, it reminded me of that. So. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yo, if you watch the movie, yeah. if you watched it along with us and you're listening now, uh, send us an email at pull, what's it called? Proton Mail? Yeah, Proton Mail, Cinema9Pod at ProtonMail.com. Cinema9Pod on Instagram. You can always send us a DM. Uh, we're always putting out our uh, reviews and criticisms of other films. So if you liked or hated Almost Famous, we got to get feedback from you. Cinema 9 pod at ProtonMail.com. And that's Cinema 9 underscore podcast at Instagram. Just oh, great. There you go. Cinema 9 underscore podcast. That's, I hate underscores. They're everywhere. You can't avoid them, though, in the internet world. Uh, all right. So we've covered the William, William character. We covered uh, Russell a little bit, but I think Russell deserves more credit. Billy Crudup deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, we need and, to get more into him and, and Kate Hudson. Yeah, so the fact that like they've got this whole thing going on and it's distracting William or it's actually cutting him off from his ability to get the interview done as he keeps being dragged on to tour date after tour date after tour date. And, and it frustrates him because he's in love with her too, so it's like doubly yeah. frustrating. Right, like the whole scene when they're in New York and they are at the bar and Russell's girlfriend or wife or whatever the fuck she is finally shows up girlfriend. and she's being like totally, they totally 
turn their her their back on him. Russell shows his true colors by going along with the band, and Dick has to like escort her out of that restaurant. It's fucking harsh, man. Russell is not this golden god, even though he's funny in scenes like that. He's a dick. Not a good guy. They've been crying for you like a bunch of whimpering pussies. Oh, the band's over. This is my family now. That's right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's over. He's staying with us. Let's just ride on down to Greenville. We'll listen to some great music. We'll finish the tour. And then we'll leave those ungrateful fools behind. Then we'll come back here where you'll live. That sounds good. Yeah, and you can stay in our basement. Yeah. I see what you're doing. And I like it. Come on. I got it, man. I got it. Excuse my kids. <laughs> Look at him. He's taking notes with his eyes. How do we know you're not a cop? Huh? Oh, the enemy? Easy. Stop fucking looking at me. Easy. Easy. Don't worry. He only means half what he says. Put your hand up. But Billy Crudup's great as an actor in this film. He, I thought it was the first time I'd really... I remember seeing him inventing the Abbots and maybe something else here and there. Mm -hmm. And this was like my first introduction to Billy Crudup, who's actually a kind of a personal favorite actor of mine. I really like his work. I don't blame you. I think he's real solid. He, yeah, I, I wonder how Brad Pitt would have done because he was like the front runner all but signed on until the last minute. Oh, and really? I think that would have definitely sold it more for me that like clearly he's like the star. He's this giant deal and that star power where he sold the, the mystique and stuff. But I do like how Billy Crudup underplays it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how well yeah. he sells like the whole mystique thing, but he's definitely like this rugged, cool guy. He's very natural in a way that I think that Brad Pitt, I love Brad Pitt. I don't think he would have been nearly as natural and believable in the role. Like, like I, like, I, I, I don't like, I know that Jason Lee actually does the vocals. I think that Billy Crudup may have been playing guitar, but even if he wasn't, I actually kind of believe it. Cause he just, he is a very unaffected performance that he gives for someone who's playing like a big rock star. That's true. That's a good point. And I think that's another, one of the things I respect about the thing I, I, I'm not, I, I don't think I love this as much as you guys do, but one thing I do really like is Cameron Crowe did his homework. And I went back to read some of his early Rolling Stone articles from like the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times when he's talking to people like Greg Allman and um, the guys from uh, Eagles, they're basically saying, look, this is smoke and mirrors. We just want to like make money and go home to our families. I mean, the rock star stuff is fun. They're basically saying like a lot of the stuff that you hear in this film. And that's what kind of endears me to the Russell character. I think one of my favorite scenes is when he just goes to that party and just feels good about being in a real place with real people. I think he does that well in the film. Yeah. I think that is what I wanted to allude to. There's, a lot of great scenes in this film. Some of them are iconic. The airplane one has become very infamous. You know, it's been parodied and satired where someone shouts something out, which is actually almost, is it a ripoff of Seinfeld, which had just done the series finale two years prior? Is that a skit? Which, wait, which airplane? That, which airplane scene? What are we talking about? They're on about? the airplane and it's going to go down and they're, but then oh, they're, oh, they're oh, yeah, yeah. And the, the drummer says, fuck it. I'm, I'm gay. Gay. Right, right, right. Okay. So that, that happened. Uh, not the gay part, but Cameron Crowe was on a plane with Alice Cooper band. Uh, and oh. I think the rhythm guitarist or something mentioned during heavy tubulence that he slept with 
one of the other bandmates wife and then the plane immediately <laughs> fucking straightened out and everyone was okay that's <laughs> so shit. funny i thought they were yeah. alluding i thought it was an allusion to the leonard skinner or something that's really funny that it was wow something else. that's <laughs> yeah, great i didn't know that at all fuck but that's, that's a fun fact but that that is a great scene though because you got people letting all this shit out you know he slept with russell's wife or whatever right. and, and everyone's admitting everything and even we see the most emotion that we see from william up to that point really yeah. where he's like oh i love her and like it's all happening so bing 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 it happens in like three minutes but it, it gives you a <laughs> lot of content and the, the drummer like angrily closes the door when he realizes they're gonna oh, stay yeah. alive <laughs> i mean yeah that, that's like that joke doesn't hold up that great but it's still pretty well, no. well well done can we also talk real quickly how fucking weird it is that mark kozalek just shows up in this movie is the yeah. bass player i love that yeah. it's so cool it's man it's cool. Kill Moon, it's cool. painters. yeah i i love his work <laughs> as a musician it's just so random like what are you doing in this movie yeah, Cameron well, Crowe knows I, loves music. He was a fan, and he wanted to put him in it. Yeah, um, it's always good, according to him, when you have real musicians playing instruments in a fucking movie about a rock band. Because there's That's so many point. where you can just tell they're not; <laughs> they have no fucking clue what yeah, they're doing with point. their instruments. Yeah, <laughs> sports and music are two of the worst things that get replicated in movies. But but Kozlak's actually the one who starts singing out loud the tiny dancer scene which is clearly yeah. the most famous of all the scenes in this film and i don't i don't think that it deserves to be like chastised as being a cliche i think it was a really natural point in the film for the movie and now that it's part of like pop culture for 20 years it's easy to dismiss that but if you go back in time and you think about it at the time it was a really like sentimental you honest scene. on I think you're dead on, man. Like, for one, I'm going to go ahead and admit that when I watched this movie, I totally sang along with it the other night, and I have no <laughs> guilt or shame about that. And for two, reminder that, like, when this movie came out in 2000, Tiny Dancer was a pretty forgotten song. Like, it may feel like a huge hit right now, but in 2000, it had, it was it was probably remembered by people that like, when it was big when it came out, and, like, I had, I, it felt like a brand new song to me when I saw this movie in 2000, and I was pretty plugged into that kind of stuff in Elton John. So, um... But yeah, that scene is is absolutely iconic, and and I think it really hits like this. There's a there's a, there's multiple reasons why it works well and and what and whatnot. But th like this movie walks the line, like a lot of Cameron Crowe's stuff does, between whimsical and cloying, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time in this movie, I feel like it works. Uh, and this and that movie in this scene in particular is like where it's so wholesome and so like uh, like unabashed. But you, that you kind of like, you know, you may you, the cynical of, of us might like roll our eyes, but like it's it's good, and like you know it's good. You just kind of roll along with it. Later on, some of his stuff, like like that kind of stuff, like especially like Aloha and stuff, it starts to feel more contrived, and it doesn't uh. doesn't work as well. But like in this movie, the notes that he's hitting, like it's just right. Yeah, I, I mean, did I get the chills while they were singing da Tiny Dancer? Mm, yeah, because Elton John's my <laughs> all-time favorite artist. Well, okay. um, you know, did I think it was a little strange that, like, the big song of the movie wasn't even by the band, like, that the whole movie's about? <laughs> a little bit, I got to be honest with you. But one thing, I, another thing I do like about this movie is that unlike every other rock band movie, you don't have that stupid fucking scene where in the studio, like trying to figure out the song. <laughs> I fucking hate yeah, when they do that. They great. do it every single time. It's like, oh, 
oh, and then the drummer's like, oh, oh yeah. 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 Never yeah. better that it was parodied in Dewey Cox when all of a sudden they just start playing Walk Hard <laughs> and they never hard. even heard the song and they got perfect harmonies. It's fucking right. hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. You're but right, yeah, though, Eric. It, it works for this movie that it's a road movie. Like, that that helps it. At, yeah. And, and yeah. to my it other works, point, yeah. that, that kind of shows you their love of music because it's it's not even like a fucking, like, like a hard rock song. It's just like a kind of a joyful song about, you know, celebrating music. So that's a great yeah. point. All right. We need to talk about Kate Hudson guys. We, have, oh, we okay. haven't talked about her because <laughs> for me, um, she was the, <laughs> she was the part of this movie. I, I had the biggest problem with, um, oh, really? Like, yeah. I've, that I've always had the biggest problem with. I always thought that she was, uh, like part of me was like, Cam and Crow, are you in love with this girl as you film her? Because like some of these <laughs> scenes are just lingering a little too long. You could go ahead and cut now. Wow. Um, oh, also, by the way, she get nominated for this one, I right? Don't she actually got nominated for this. She did, I think. I but yeah, I, I, I have such issues with the character. I find her to be like so like her need to like fill a room and like have all the attention on her and like be mysterious and wise. Like, um, and like and like the way it's portrayed by Kate Hudson with like the lingering looks and the lack of respect for William, like not even answering his late his like questions directly posed to oh, her constantly, you know, yeah. like constantly like she has no she, respect for him she just, she just the face like off a, thing like dog. A, ooh, she does right. the face off what are you doing <laughs> right the, the, the fucking face off thing right dominique swain anyway um, so the, there are all kinds of, so i was like i was prepared to like watch this movie again and be like all right i'm gonna be annoyed by kate hudson through this whole thing and mm. this is probably one of the few viewings where she didn't bug me as much as usual. I don't know if I turn around and watch, you know, it's been 15, 20 years since I watched it. Um, wow. But like a lot of the issues that I have, they didn't exactly melt away. But like when, like for instance, towards the end of the movie, when she like goes back and grabs her sunglasses from the counter, like, like it's not just that that, that was written in there. Right. But her delivery of that simple little thing, it's, it's cute. On the other hand, like, her like spinning around in an empty ballroom playing with roses. Get that fucking shit out of here. Yeah, Get that shit on the like Stevens? Come on. There's <laughs> no reason for that to be in there. Make it yeah. a, a two hour and five minute movie instead of a two oh hour and ten minute movie. Wow. For the most part, I think that she does a really good job. Well, for the most part, I think she does an adequate job. She's uh, she's still my least wow. favorite part of the movie by far. But I will say this watching the movie, something that really didn't and this is more about the writing than her performance, but something that didn't really click with me, it's importance uh, in previous, many previous viewings was how cool it is that she ditches Russell. She sends Russell on to, 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 to William, like you fucked up here. You want to, you want to be a better person. You want to improve who you are. You want to fix things and have a conversation. Start with this person here. I'm done. I've given all my love and I'm going to give my love to myself now and go to Morocco. And I thought that was really cool that she wasn't cool, that she wasn't like full of shit about Morocco, even if she was with Patrick Fudzik's character, but that's, <laughs> and that ultimately the love that she gives is to herself. And I'm like, I've seen this movie so many times. I just like in the back of my mind, I was been like, well, I guess they end up together later. <laughs> Something stupid. <laughs> I what I was then. But I thought it was, uh, I, in, in watching it this time, I thought that was really <laughs> A bold, like a kind of a bold choice. It would have been an easier move to have them get together, and I think it's really cool that he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you guys, you've been, you two specifically have been around music and in bands for so many years, and all of us know that pest that just kind of hangs around and 
complicates things. And that's what this character is for me. I can't stand this character. She just seems like a big sister to William. So I don't understand this sexual relationship that kind of pops up, in my opinion, out of nowhere, like an hour into oh, the movie. Horny 15-year-old um, boy. It's he's, pretty he's easy. He's into it from the start. What are you talking? I, I don't I don't think they illustrated that enough. Um, I just <laughs> I feel nothing when this character is on screen and uh, wow. I just I don't get the I don't get this legendary groupie being like this endearing character. It's just it's just a little yeah. I, I, I think she's this based, cat. Yeah. I think it's just, I think cast. Anna Paquin probably would have would have sold this. Better. I was thinking that maybe Kirsten Dunst or Cameron Diaz, someone with any magnetism, an iota uh, of, of magnetism. Of course, she was nominated, nominated for Academy Awards, so she must at least feel like she does something, right? I mean, fuck yeah. us and and, this, and, and she she won the Golden Globe. She's a Golden Globe winner for this performance. Oh, shit. Uh, I can't. Yeah, that was surprising. Uh, supporting actress, her and Frances McDormand were both nominated. Cameron Crowe, by the way, won the Oscar for uh, screenplay. So That's that was cool. That deserves it. Um, yeah. Wow. A lot of opinions on Kate Hudson here. I I haven't thought a lot about her because I just I just think she's a necessary part of the film. So I don't let her get to me though. I'm like, okay, whatever. Here you are being annoying, and uh, here you are. Sometimes you're like a. Uh, elegant and sometimes you make me feel like i want to like connect with you as a audience participant but then that never really happens and i don't care because all the rest of the band-aids are so much more engaging than her like i love Faruza balk's character like when, yeah, yeah, when, her, like when his mom calls the hotel room and she picks up and <laughs> she tries to like she tries to like rationalize with her and then right. she's like uh by the way this is the maid fuck it yeah. Yeah, it's funny she's great all those characters are much better i, I think you're right i completely agree and it's too bad i think maybe she got this role because she's Goldie and Kurt's daughter, probably, but yeah. At the same time, maybe it was because Cameron was in love with her, as you say, with these long, extended sure shots. Like <laughs> Me, you, and Dupree, man. <laughs> Who could forget? Who's gold? Well, I think you won an, an, an okay. Oscar for that one for you, me, and Dupree, right? Which was a gold globe. globe. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, don't mean to, I, I don't mean to shit on her or dissolve your guys' appreciation of of her because the stuff you said, Travis. Was I don't appreciate her much at all. I don't. As an but, actress. Can, can you name one, like, tell me one scene where there's, like, a connection that's, like, meaningful in terms of, like, William and Penny Lane, like, in, in any of the scene, in any of the film, just humor me. Like, Actually, what do you the, remember? The, the, oh, meaningful? I, I do have a moment that stands out, and it, and it stands out in a way that... Um, where it should have signaled to him like, Hey bro, she's not into you, but it's, <laughs> but it was still like a moment of connection. And, and it is that awkward moment we were already talking about where, where she, where like the, the other three band-aids, which that term is whatever, but um, the other three band-aids are like trying to get her to come sleep with William too. Yeah. And they're all dancing oh, yeah. around and she gives him that look like, go get him tiger. Like, uh, and he kind of like nods. Like I, yeah. I like that moment. I think that's a good moment between them too. It, it, because it, it shows that like, um, you know, she's just like, you know, we we have our thing, and now you just go ahead and have this physical fun now. Yeah, when she yeah, answers I, the door that he knocks on Russell's hotel room door, and she answers, she's like, you okay? I mean, that is yeah. so weird. But, like, Big sister. apparently yeah, well, he's okay with it because he doesn't get that pissed. He does start crying, though, at one point when he can't get the interview, and he's sitting there with the laundry bag because he feels right. like he's being... Which is exploited. right after he just, like, woke up after sleeping with three women in the same right. night. So, like, yeah, I don't know how much sympathy I have for this character in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, why is Jimmy Fallon in this movie? Yeah, because he, he hit a man in Dearborn. That's there why. it is. I, there it is. I yep. hit a man in Dearborn, Michigan. I don't know if he's alive or not. <laughs> I did he's, that it's actually that. probably the best performance I've seen from Jimmy Fallon. In, in it really anything. was. Yeah, it was. It I was really like, wow. Is. It's perfect. He plays this snooty manager and he comes into the situation to be like the one who could take them to the next level. And he makes that lame ass joke, which has been done so many times. The about, umbrella? If you think Mick Jagger at 50 oh. years old will still be, you know, yeah. you're sorely mistaken, my friend. Oh, come on. About, yeah, we uh, get it. Rolling Stones are old. How about Mark Mar- Mark Marin blowing in? Uh, that was yeah. that's, I, I, how many times have I listened to the the, the, the what the what the fuck podcast? I had no yeah. idea what, what, what Lock the Gates was from. And I've oh, seen really? that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even realize what it was, and I've heard it so yeah. many times that I'm watching. I'm like, hey, that's Mark Marin. Oh, Lock yeah. the Gates. Oh, this is all starting to make sense now. <laughs> there it is. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all and right, we, got, so- we also got Eric Stone Street too coming in. Your mom freaked me out. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that lots of good cameos and early performances and stuff in this movie. Do you have a message from Elaine? Your mother? She's a handful. No. She freaked me out. Yeah, what about the... Is it overplayed this mom freak out thing goes through the whole movie? Like, even Russell gets... Your mom really freaked me out, man. Kind of weird. <laughs> Everybody gets weirded out by this mother. Uh, it's kind of a lame joke that gets a little tired after a while. Very quickly... Like that stuff is like cute and fun, but it it's all part of the stuff that like but I wish this movie was a lot harder than it is about like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It seems like a very like, oh. like, like soft PG thirteen cutesy wootsy like right. portrait of stuff where I think Cameron Crowe, especially with his knowledge, could have cranked up the heat a little bit and give us something a little but again fucking great the, point that's a great no, i think great i point. think you're dead wrong <laughs> and let me tell you let me tell you why because again this is a love letter this is a love letter if, if you if you want a nitty-gritty look at the ways that addiction can ruin the lives of musicians there's a million fucking biopics for you to check yeah. out you go to gary oldman we, do we, we know right. <laughs> we know what cocaine does to famous people we don't like that's that that's that's kind of really? second like and, and this movie look look at the look at the image behind mike right now for those of you that are watching um like the, the, she wears these rose tinted glasses through the movie i mean like the, 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 we're, we're not necessarily even seeing like a real depiction of the past it's 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 nostalgia though the movie's Romantized. very much on the nostalgia right you're right i i just thought i actually had not considered hey. what Eric just said but i don't want the movie to change because i like it the way it is but yeah, we don't need a gritty reboot of almost famous where they're all, <laughs> we, we get we get a quaalude overdose i don't know what else we need i mean she literally almost dies she gets she gets a diy stomach pumping which i've had my stomach pumped um, it was one of the worst experiences of my life, and that was done by a professional. To have Joe Blow with a fucking like rubber thing just stuffing it down. Hold still, Emily Rugburn. Like, no, I, I, she had a bad time. <laughs> yeah, this doctor's just downstairs at the hotel bar on call. Oh, 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 hey, I'll be right back. I got to go pump some girl, girl's stomach. <laughs> Clearly, this is like part of his day to day job. <laughs> well, I guess uh, it sounds like. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I think we all know where I stand. I definitely think this movie holds up. I love it. It's always going to be enjoyable. Sure, there's some cheesiness to it, but I don't care. I'll put it on and it'll just fly by. It's the quickest two hours of my life, and it's always going to be a personal favorite. So thank you, Cameron Crow. It's too bad what happened to your career, but you, at least <laughs> there was a period of time. Once upon a time, you were on your gay game. Travis, what do you think? Mm-hmm. 
I was totally prepared to not like this movie. I, I was totally really? prepared to feel the way I felt about Vanilla Sky, and uh, <laughs> wow. I was just really prepared to think that it was cheesy and and just kind of uh, just too much and trying too hard, and, and a lot of the things that I kind of had come to think about it as over the years. And I was delighted to to feel like I was wrong. I'm like when it starts and like you get like this fake Baba O'Reilly beginning, like the song. I'm like, oh man, this movie's gonna suck. I'm like, I'm gonna hate this. <laughs> this is gonna be terrible. And uh, by the you know by the end of it, like I, I ended up getting emotional when uh, when she le- when uh, the older sister leaves when Zoe Deschanel leaves, and when um, they land in Topeka, another another wordless exchange or almost wordless exchange. When they land in Topeka, finally and. They, the band walks on ahead and, and and Russell stops and looks back at William and they just have this moment. They look at each other and, and William smiles. He smiles at him after they, everything just went through. I got, yeah. I got fucking teary watching that too. And I'm happy to say this movie holds up way better than I expected. And I will watch it again in way more in way less than 20 years. Wow. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, Eric, uh, I'm, I think I know what you're going to say, but tell us what you think. You sure you want to hear this? <laughs> I do. I always You're want to hear your opinion, your opinion buddy. Yeah, I don't think this film holds up. I think it's the veneer is very nice. I think it's uh, it's well filmed, well acted in most respects. I just don't care for the story that much. To me, William just seems like a kid like from the school newspaper, like interviewing like the local band like in town. Um, the stakes aren't that high. I like, he says like, he's trying to hide from Rolling Stone the whole time because he doesn't really have a story yet because there really is no story in my opinion. Mm. Uh, it doesn't tell us much about music. It doesn't tell us much about writing or falling in love. It just says like, Hey, get out there and meet people and do something. Then it's kind of <laughs> over. So I don't know if it caught me on a bad day, but that's my opinion. <laughs> meet people. All right. I love getting honesty from you, Eric. Thank you, Travis. Well done. We always give you our authentic opinions, and sometimes we don't agree, and that's okay. But that's it for Almost Famous. Did it hold up? We'd love to hear from you. Well, two-thirds of the podcast says that it did hold up. So That's That's right. That's a majority. (laughs) So in this world, it did hold up. Hit us up on Cinema9Pod at ProtonMail.com. Tell us what you thought of this movie. Is it overrated trash? Is it popcorn trash? Or is it well done fine cinema at its height of <laughs> excellence. Let us know. Cinema9pod, protonmail.com, or DM us on Instagram. Now it's time for quarantine viewing picks. Everyone's favorite part of the show where Travis and Eric and I, mostly Travis and Eric, give you wonderful films that they've watched and their offerings to you. What do you got, Travis? Well, uh, unlike ordinary or ordinarily when um, I just watch like time for you. Yeah. Yeah. I usually watch like some, you know, I mean, like usually since the podcast started in my life, it's usually more like what I watched this week. This week I watched, let's see, five movies as opposed to the other podcast weeks where I've watched like 20 or 30 because I had the time. Uh, But I moved and uh, I've been doing some visiting and stuff. So um, I watched Don Verdeen. Oh, over the course of several days, but I, I enjoyed it. Eric's suggestion elsewhere on the show that was that entertained me and was funny. Mm-hmm. I watched Dark Was the Night from 2014 and uh, did a did a uh, review on the Instagram if you want to check that out. I watched Birdie from 1984, which I'd heard about for a long time. I've been meaning to see it. It's set 
in uh, Philadelphia, which is kind of nice. It stars Matthew Modine and a very young Nick Cage. And it's very much, it's, it's a war movie. It, before even Matthew Modine did uh, Full Metal Jacket, he played a, a shell-shocked PTSD Vietnam vet in this movie. And, and and Nick Cage plays the same. And it's a really good analysis of the ways that like the draft could leave someone physically unharmed, but ruin their life all the same. Because both these guys, like, like Nick Cage's character is, is like a regular guy who has no business being at war. And then Matthew yeah. Modine plays a very soft, very like maybe even like on the spectrum dude who has no business whatsoever uh, being in, in war. So it's a, it's a, it's a really uh, good early performance by these two good actors. Uh, I watched almost famous. And lastly, speaking of Nick Cage, sometimes when I'm like, you know, just wanting to fuck around Brown and like not really pay too much attention to things. I'll put on a Nick Cage movie. I go to the Roku and I'll put in just his name. Like what's, what's playing where that I've, what's what crap action movie has he done that I haven't seen. So this time I watched Arsenal from 2017 rated around four point or something on IMDb. And Mm -hmm. um, for one, it's got Jonathan Shack in it, who somehow is hotter now than he's ever been in his life. So that's something. Um, And Nick Cage in this movie is a very violent, very bombastic Tony Clifton. It's the weirdest thing ever. He literally looks like Tony Clifton. He's got these big glasses, black wig, and like this bulbous yeah. fake nose. And for you hardcore it. Nick fan, Nick Cage fans like myself, this is a must-see. <laughs> Everyone else, go ahead and stay clear. And that's those are the movies <laughs> I watched. Oh, man. What about you, Eric? He's this. Um... Yeah, I watched Whiplash again. That's been Ooh. since the theaters. I, I can't believe I didn't see this since the theaters. And wow. <laughs> the, wow, the yeah. movie literally did everything for me that left me cold about Almost Famous in terms of movies about music. It shows brilliantly like drive and motivation and the, like, the importance of mentors on, on students and passion. It never gets, you know, it, I think I'll watch this again and again and again. And I, really love miles teller in it i don't think he gets enough work and that was like six years ago and i can't really remember if i've saw him in anything really that good since but you didn't see war dogs i didn't no i didn't see fucking war dogs um yeah so i agree yeah. i think i think Flash is one of the best movies of the 2010s oh it's so really fucking good not Jesus a fun Christ. one to watch on repeat though i don't know i mean it's a great really? movie but i don't like popping it on for a good time Oh, I could have watched it again right when it was over. It just fires me up. <laughs> I watched Murder Mystery. What'd you uh, think? On oh, is this so I, I scribbled down what I thought about this film because everyone kept telling me, you know, listen, give it a shot, give it a shot. So I did, and I, I have to dub it um, yet another paid vacation for adam sandler <laughs> a lazy non-stop onslaught of noise and first draft jokes so it wasn't for me but, well, well, but uh, all right i'm glad you guys liked it i haven't <laughs> seen it so. I, I did see one really good lastly really good movie this week uh from 2014 it's called lowdown john oh, hawks l fanning peter dinklage glenn close yeah, billy fucking drago Flea is really fucking good in it in a supporting Flea. role. It's about uh, a jazz musician that it's a real movie. It's a biopic, but you know, um, from this guy. Uh, this, yeah. Um, but it's told through the lens of his daughter. And he was, um, I had to look up what people are saying about this because I, I loved it. 
Listen to this fucking first sentence from Matt Zoller Zietz from RogerEbert.com, which is so bizarre that there's a RogerEbert.com after he's passed on that people just like put, put reviews on. Lowdown is a very good jazz movie and a very good heroin movie. That's the first mm. uh, sentence in this you know, professional reviewer's site. I thought that was Roger Ebert. That's heroin proud, movies of all time. And he would hug Ebert. himself, absolutely. <laughs> he would hug himself. It's, uh, it's a wonderful story about addiction and raising a family when you have this disease. It's somber, it's sweet, and it's really honest. It shows you that sometimes sweet and low down? you have to, uh, not sweet and low down. It's just called low oh. down with J John Hawks. Um, uh -huh. It's so we can be so quick to just sit there and watch these movies about addiction and just judge them and just wait for either them to die or for them to redeem themselves. But this movie just plays it very narrow. It just it's about acceptance and understanding more so than any of these grandiose themes about addiction you'll see in other movies. I very highly recommend it. It's really good. It's been on my list for a long time. I'll check it out. Amazon Mike? Prime. All right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. There it is. Eric's selections for the week. Uh, I didn't get to watch a lot of movies. I think I got to watch maybe like three and it wasn't wasn't available. I still haven't watched Heaven's Gate. I'm never going to watch it. So everyone hates me now. Um, I think we already moved on from that. But I did watch uh, Point Break as I fell asleep one night. That was nice. I always love that movie. It was always a good time. And I watched uh, Jack Reacher, which is such a piece of trash. <laughs> I love it. I never... <laughs> oh, you love it? Well, love is a strong word, but I I enjoyed it. It's an entertaining. I mean, there it's it crap. is. It's crap. It's crap, but it's entertaining. Yeah, I had never seen it. I'd always made fun of the title. It just sounds like it's Christopher McQuarrie. So... That's true, but it's just so easy to make fun of the title and Tom Cruise, especially <laughs> being the action star that never wants to stop being an action star and. And Jake Reacher's this badass Jack Reacher, unstoppable, you know. And there's a really <laughs> lame scene where he's like the bar fight thing, like, you sure you want to do this to yourself? It's just like so stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was a waste of time. But, you know, a lot of movies out there if you want to watch them, you know. The quarantine continues on. We are still living in a pandemic, in case you forgot. We'll keep watching movies and talking to them, talking to you about them. We'll talk to the movies, too, I guess. We should, yeah. Crazy. Talk to the film. Talk to the people who take watch a picture the of yourself talking to a film. <laughs> Here we go. Go to Larry Gary Lutz's basement. Take a picture of yourself. And, uh, yeah, watching a Paul Schrader movie. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. So, uh, all right. Next week, uh, we're gonna have on a guest. Uh, his name's Matt Williams. Uh, he's a partner of mine, a business partner, and also a new friend. But he also has a lot of experience in the film world. He loves movies. He, he uh, was an intern at Universal Studios once upon a time, wanted to be a film editor, apparently. So well, we could ask him about that. I didn't get the full story on that. But he has chosen his film, and the one we will be doing next week, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very obvious. But, yeah, hey, you know, sometimes we do obvious films. Going from, like, the teens or something? No, he's <laughs> he wants to do Back to the Future. That's what oh, he wants to do. And he thinks that we're going to... We're going to find something that we haven't looked impossible in this film, but maybe you, I think you're a huge fan of it, right, Eric? So when you I could quote every single word, so I'm excited to talk with Matt about this. Classic. <laughs> I don't love it as much as you do, but uh, I haven't seen it in a while. So maybe I'll not the trilogy. We're just doing the first film. So back to the future is All the right. selection for next. Week. All right. Well, watch that movie. I've seen it before, <laughs> but I'll watch it again. 
I have seen it before. That's true. Uh, and then yeah, after yeah, that, we'll, we'll go back to the listener's choice again. So next week, start thinking of movies now. Get them in your head. Get a list going because we're going to choose a listener's film for the show after that. And we will do that on Instagram live. Completely random. Bias. Fair. As always. As always. So that's Bias. it. That's the show, guys. I think we did a show. It's in the books. This is the Almost Famous Show. Purple. Thanks for listening. Oh. Purple. Your aura. Your aura is purple. That is purple. It's a beautiful woman. Uh, check us out. Cinnamon iPod. Proctimail.com. Cinnamon iPod on uh, Instagram. DM us. Purple. <laughs> Thank you for listening or watching. Bye bye. Purple. Your aura is purple. I love you. What? Purple. It's purple. Oh, what?